Hello, and welcome to Introducing Me. I'm your host, Sarah. I started this podcast to get to know other people and lifestyles while discovering more about myself. Each episode, I'll give a new guest a chance to discuss their background, culture, interests, or whatever they want to talk about to help increase all of our own worldviews. Today, I would like to introduce you to Amanda. She is a co-founder of Me Mother Earth, which is a company that sells lots of awesome products with a goal to stop plastic waste and help our mother earth. So she's going to talk about her business a little bit, why she got into it, how she got into it, all the good stuff about saving our planet and what we all can do for those sort of things. So I'm excited to hear what she's got for us today and learn a little bit more about her and her business. So Amanda, why don't you say hello and introduce yourself? Hi, well, thanks, Sarah, for having me. Uh, My name is Amanda. My husband and I uh, founded Me Mother Earth a little over two years ago. Um, We're originally from different areas. He's from Brazil and I'm from Seattle. And we live in Las Vegas, which has got to be one of the most wasteful cities. And we just thought that we needed to do something about it. Um, We for sure didn't know that much about plastics, but we knew like, well, this has got to be having some kind of impact on our planet. And over the years, you know, we've just really discovered that like finding uh, solutions in our own home is helpful for others too, because those are products that we use every single day. Um, So we have a lot of different kind of eco-friendly products that, you know, you use every day, except um, they're biodegradable. They're not made of plastic, you know, or they're reusable. They're endlessly reusable. And just by switching, making these like little swaps uh, daily, it's going to have a big impact overall. Great. And so what was the first steps in starting a business? So we started out with one product and it was our collapsible straw and spork kit. So it's a reusable straw and cutlery set. Um, It's made of stainless steel, but it folds down to fit in your pocket. So you can actually carry it with you. And myself and my husband are avid travelers. So we love to travel and we're like, oh, this is something we can actually bring with us. I'm not going to carry around like big bulky cutlery sets or like long stainless steel straws. Like where am I going to put it after I use it? So we thought like, oh, this is a really like great solution to a problem. And we can bring this like all over the world, wherever we go and, you know, do our part to eliminate plastic. Um, And we started selling that at little markets, um, local here in Las Vegas and also online. But of course, you know, that's kind of a slow boil, like doesn't happen right away. So we did little markets and, you know, you know, really made a home in our community, um, which Obviously, surprisingly, there are some people in Las Vegas that also want to battle plastic waste, you know? <laughs> so it was, um, it's, we still do events, but it's on a, a lesser, it's not as often and obviously with COVID and everything. Um, but it's a great way for us to be able to speak with our community about, you know, like a lot of people just don't know. And, you know, I didn't know. Um, that plastic just doesn't go away and there's no actual away um, when you throw something out, like it has to go somewhere. Um, and plastic sticks around for hundreds of years. I mean, they really don't have the exact number because it was developed, you know, like in the 60s or 70s. So it hasn't even been around for that long. Um, but it's definitely something everyone can do. Like everyone can carry something around and just kind of think about, you know, their daily waste. Um, And 
you know, the doing the events and then now we have um, moved over to mostly online because of COVID and we do wholesale as well. So we're in, you know, over 500 stores across the country and that's where, uh, you know, my heart is because then people have the opportunity to purchase our products locally and also support like their local shops as well. Um, so that's kind of where we're moving towards and, and where we began. Great. Now, so you started with one product, you're now in over 500 stores, you've got over 100 products. How did you start adding products into your line? So uh, (laughs) going back to like, I needed to find these solutions in my own household. And for a lot of people, it starts with like a straw. I already used, you know, like reusable bags because I'm from Seattle area and those have not been around. Like plastic bags were, you know, they were the first to get rid of them. Um, so I was already kind of using re- reusable bags and like a reusable water bottle. Um, and then we started with the strong cutlery kit and I was like, what else can I swap out? Well, bamboo toothbrushes. That was like our second uh, product. And we have a biodegradable floss which is vegan and it's our top selling product by far. Um, So I was just like noticing all these places like in my bathroom and like all these things in my kitchen that, you know, you literally use, you know, for a few months and then you toss it out. Um, And if it's got some kind of like plastic or poly blend, which most of them do, it's not going to break down ever. (laughs) So just by like, you know, I'm still searching for certain products where I'm just like, hmm, there's got to be a better solution for this. Um, and it's also got to be lightweight. And that's another challenge because, you know, a lot of companies switch over to like glass instead of plastic. Well, then you're causing waste in other areas like emissions because they're heavier to ship and you need more packaging to wrap them and things like that. So I take into all those things into account and we do ship like most of our stuff like ourselves Um, we would eventually like to switch that over, but we're still, you know, on the ground, like doing that. I'm writing hand, handwritten notes and all the packages and everything. So having a package that's lightweight, that's going to, you know, not create waste on its way to the customer is also important. Right. Definitely. Now, when you talk about being in, um, 500 plus stores, you know, the wholesale market, I would assume that that's a lot of like smaller stores or more like niche stores. So are you in any larger big stores or are you able to get into a bigger corporate world? Um, That's something that we're definitely looking into. Um, We do work with a lot of indie retailers um, because a lot of our products are unpackaged. So if you go into a big box store, you don't see a lot of products that don't come with packaging. (laughs) So there's something, you know, some things that might need to change if we were to make that move into like a big box store. But right now we're really focused on like our indie retailers and, you know, we're able to like ship a lot of things without that additional packaging. Um, so yeah, a lot of refill shops, a lot of zero waste stores across the country, but we're also in a lot of like like gift shops and things like that too, Um, which is great because then, you know, you have a little bit of the crossover, you know, people that are coming in there to buy a gift and they're like, oh, what is this? Oh my gosh, plastic free? What's that all about? You know, so it's just another way to reach uh, consumers that maybe aren't aware of, you know, plastic waste. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, like what you said is kind of obvious after you've said it, that packaging is <laughs> is the, the big difficulty there. Um, so we talk a little bit about your products. What, what do you have that, that makes you unique? So I personally like use everything we sell or have used everything we sell. I live this lifestyle. So I think that's a little bit different than a lot of companies who are like, Oh, this might be a good business to get into. Um, I live this lifestyle, you know, myself, I, you know, compost, I eat plant-based and I try my best to live plastic free, but it's an uphill battle. I mean, it's everywhere. Um, especially now with COVID and, you know, having to wear a mask wherever you go or whatever, um, you have to have those items on you all the time. And then, um, you know, you want stuff to be like sanitized and clean and things like that. So, Grocery stores, going to the grocery store, I go to the same grocery store everyone else does, you know, uh, I don't go to some unique grocery store that doesn't have any kind of packaging, food comes in packaging. So it's trying to navigate in this plastic world. Um, and it's, it's very challenging. It's to eliminate plastic entirely. So we do the best that we can. And a lot of, you know, the products that we've added to, you know, our lineup, um, are like solutions to that. So we have some really cool like bamboo. We have a lot of bamboo products because bamboo is a, you know, a sustainable wood. It's really quick growing. Um, it doesn't need a lot of water. Um, so we have a lot of products that are made of bamboo. So we have these awesome like mason jar lids. So you already have, um, I bet everyone has a mason jar in their pantry, you know, pasta sauce comes in that. So you can repurpose, you know, a glass mason jar that your pasta sauce came in and turn it into like a drinking cup. Um, so we have these bamboo mason jar lids that go on top of um, glass mason jars and turn it into a drinking cup. Um, so I try to find like things that are a little bit unique, um, but also solutions to things that maybe people haven't thought about. Um, I love like any of our, our shampoo bars work just as good as bottled shampoo. Um, we have like deodorant that comes in compostable cardboard tubes. We have all sorts of like um, kitchen brushes because, you know, there's different strokes for different folks and, you know, not one solution is going to work for everyone. Um, so we have a lot of different variety in items there. And um, yeah, pretty much everything is going to be, you know, made of like a, a renewable material um, like bamboo or cotton. We have some amazing like hemp cotton rounds and things like that that don't take as much water. Um, and then they're going to break down their end of life. They're going to completely compost. Um, or we have things that are like endlessly reusable, like silicone bags and silicone bowl covers, which, you know, my I've sent to like my family members who I know like going plastic free might be a stretch for them, but this this might be something that they can do. Um, so I try to find things that like appeal to multiple people and not just myself, but everything that I sell, I have used and tested on myself and my husband, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's really cool that you, you know, you live and breathe the product. It shows that you are passionate about it and you're not just putting something out to try and make a profit. Now, you know, you obviously if, if someone, you know, decides they don't want something anymore or something happens to break or whatever, or, you know, there is the things that um, 
do have packaging and it's compostable packaging. You don't want them throwing that into the trash. So can you talk a little bit about composting? Yeah, so this is actually a swap that I I recently made. I didn't know a lot about it. Um, Granted, I grew up in Washington, so we always had like a yard cart. So you could put food waste and yard waste in that cart. Well, a lot of places in the country and the world don't have that. In Las Vegas, we don't have anything like that. So food waste is actually a huge polluter, and uh, it releases a lot of greenhouse gases when it goes to a landfill. It doesn't have the ability to break down naturally. So when you compost, your food waste, your paper waste, your yard waste actually turns back into soil that can be used. It's very nutrient rich, so it can be used to like grow food. So it's very circular um, versus going to a landfill and sitting there and and releasing gases for potentially for a very long time. So composting, we actually use a service in Las Vegas um, for our compost because it does get rather hot here in the summer. (laughs) And it was something that I personally didn't want to have to deal with. So kind of spoiled that we do have that service, but I do actually want to learn how to do it in my backyard because I think it's something that everyone can do. But we have a service that we leave all our food waste and our yard waste and our paper waste, like paper towels, um, anything. We don't use a lot of paper towels anymore, but any kind of paper that we would have um, that's smaller than like a credit card. If it's smaller than a credit card, it can't be recycled. So smaller than a credit card paper or paper that has touched food, like a pizza box or something has to go in the compost and can go in the compost. Um, And then that will get turned into nutrient rich soil instead of like polluting um, our planet. So a lot of the products that we carry, you know, made of bamboo, like our kitchen brushes have like plant bristles, things like that. That's all going to, after you're done using it for like months and months and months, you can just like kind of break it up a little bit and it's going to turn back into soil by composting that versus going to a landfill and staying on this planet for a very long time. Cool. And so you also mentioned that you have adopted a vegan diet. So can you explain a little bit what that's been like? Yeah. So I, if you asked me like a few years ago, if I ever would go vegan, I'd be like, you are crazy. No way. Um, that's not going to happen. Um, because we were big travelers and food is such a big part of like experiencing different cultures and things like that. I just, I just never thought it would be possible. And I watched several documentaries, actually. And I was like, oh, this is really causing havoc on like our planet, um, factory farming and commercial fishing. And there's a lot of scientific proof that, you know, we don't need meat. And um, actually, it was we watched the Game Changers documentary. And my husband and I looked at each other and were like, let's just try it out. Let's try it out for like a week and see if we can do it. Um, And now it's been like almost two years and we most definitely can do it. Um, I don't think it's possible for everyone. I mean, some people have, you know, a lot of food allergies and things like that. And I do eat a lot of nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So it might not be possible for everyone, but if everyone just ate like less meat, um, it would be very kind to our planet because, you know, what is it? Before the Flood is another documentary that we watched. And that, I watched that years ago and I stopped eating beef after I watched that um, just because of 
the damage that factory farming um, cows in particular is doing to the planet. And, you know, I want to do my part. Um, so yeah, we, we, I mean, I'm never hungry. Like we eat a lot. Um, so I think that's kind of a stigma. Um, in Vegas, there are so many vegan restaurants too. Um, you just have to like learn how to mimic flavors and textures. Um, but yeah, I don't see myself going back. <laughs> uh, I kind of wish I had done it sooner. I'd taken the leap sooner and just tried it out. Cause you know, I have a lot more energy and stuff too. A lot of people will tell you that. Um, and I mean, there's nothing that I truly miss. I do think once travel does come back, it's going to be a little bit more challenging to find certain foods everywhere in the world. Um, like my, I mentioned my husband is Brazilian. So like in Brazil, it might be a little bit more challenging to eat um, fully plant-based, but I'm going to do my best because it feels good. And um, I think I'm doing my part for the planet. Right. Now you said you didn't miss anything. Is there anything that like you can't really replicate in going plant-based? Um, there's a lot of really bad vegan food, <laughs> but there's like a lot of really, really good. So I would say it took a while to find the good vegan cheeses, um, that actually like melt, um, and like taste, like have flavor, like smoky flavors or like an aged flavor. Um, so it took a while to find the substitutions that work for me, um, I also I did this like allergy test too. So I found that I am allergic to a lot of things like eggs and milk, um, which I found that after the fact, after I'd already eliminated those things out of the diet. But pretty much you can mimic so many things. I like I make a vegan crab cake. It tastes so good. Um, there's vegan sushi. Um, it's delicious. Like there's nothing that I really miss because flavors and textures can be um, mimicked so easily. And, you know, with the way that technology is in advancing in like food technology and things like that, they just mimic um, meat like so well. I, I don't eat a lot of the, the fake meats and things like that, but um, I bet I could fool my family. I haven't seen my family in such a long time, but I bet I could fool them <laughs> with some of the things that I cook um, into thinking that it's the real thing. Yeah, that that's really awesome. Now, taking a little bit of a pivot, you know, you are you avid, you are, I should say, avid travelers just haven't been able to travel lately. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about places that you've been? So I've, not to brag, but um, <laughs> I've been to about 35 different countries now. Um, it was my passion for like the longest uh, time um, I would go, you know, by myself. I would just find like a cheap ticket and just go. Um, I've taken some rather long trips. Like I spent like five months in Australia, New Zealand. Um, I was younger. Um, <laughs> we took a four month trip a couple years ago to Portugal and then Brazil because I really wanted to learn Portuguese. Um, but I think I need longer than four months to do that. <laughs> um, but my favorite place that like, I've ever been as Portugal. Um, I, I could see myself living there, but when I travel, I just, I really like to learn, live with the people that are from there. I don't like to stay in hotels. Um, 
I like to do like, like Airbnbs. And back in the day, there was this thing called couch surfing. Um, so I would stay on people's couches and spare rooms. Um, <laughs> pretty adventurous, but um, it was a great way to actually like stay with the locals because a lot of places you'll go and you'll, you'll not get to, you know, speak with the locals and find out know which spots can I go to that are not necessarily just the tourist spots that I read about in my guidebook um but it's a huge part of like who I am um I don't think I'll ever stop unfortunately air travel is really bad for the environment so uh, (laughs) something I have definitely considered um in the past couple of years like limiting you know, the trips that I do take and making sure that I'm, I make them worth it versus, you know, just going for like a weekend, you know, and flying there. Um, so that's something that is, has changed over the years. Um, but I, I, I see myself one day like living in Portugal and just being able to like drive or take the train to another country. That's just sounds like a dream. Yeah, that's it's definitely possible when you're not in the states. <laughs> no. <laughs> and what were the different cultures that you experienced? Did you ever experience culture shock anywhere? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Um there are some countries that my husband would really like to go to and I was like, uh I I don't know if I'm up for that. You know, it's going to be a little bit more challenging. Say it's more challenging to get around because you don't speak the language. In a lot of um, countries, you can't even read the language. So that's, you know, something else too. Um, I think you just have to look at it from, you know, another perspective. Like you're these, you know, you're meeting different people from different backgrounds. And, you know, we're not all alike. And you want to, you know, immerse yourself into their culture. So I've been to Asia. Let's see. I've been to Asia like five times. (laughs) I keep going back. And it's just like so fascinating to me, like all these different cultures um, right next to each other. And they're all, I mean, the best food ever, like the best beaches ever, super affordable. Um, It's just a little bit like hard harder travel, you know, and but that's maybe because I was more like a backpacker. And now I think I would do things a little bit differently, not quite as on a budget. Um, But taking buses all over, you know, Vietnam is, it's definitely experience. (laughs) Like Sometimes they tell you it's going to be an eight hour bus ride in 14 hours, you know, (laughs) and there's you know, a a magical third row appears in the bus and people are like sitting on stools in the middle of the bus and the bathroom stop is the bus pulling over and everybody getting out. Um, (laughs) So it makes for great stories and it's definitely a great experience. But yeah, you do experience a little bit of of culture shock and definitely need to bring some of your comforts from home, like toilet paper, (laughs) some places. (laughs) But I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that. It just, it makes you, you know, we're super spoiled here in the U.S. It just makes you realize, you know, everything that, you know, we have. Um, part of, you know, our our goal is to eliminate, you know, plastic waste and everything. And I foresee us, you know, having beach cleanups like around the world and, you know, working with communities um, that maybe just don't know that plastic is bad, you know, and other areas in the world. So that's 
I definitely want to go um, and teach in some of these areas eventually and go back to them. And just because when you go to an island, let's say we've been to the Maldives, which is like very bougie, but we didn't do like the bougie. I never do the bougie kind of travel. Um, (laughs) We stayed in like local Airbnbs on local islands. Um, But those are all such small islands and we're sending plastic out there. Where do you think it goes? It goes back into the ocean. Um, And like scuba diving is just absolutely amazing in that part of the world. And you can appreciate all the underwater animals and just all, all these, all this wildlife that just needs protecting. And we're just throwing a garbage truck full of plastic waste every like minute of every day. Um, so there are places in the world I definitely want to go back to and see how we can, you know, educate the local communities on how to better um, monitor like their waste streams and things like that. Um, but even we do beach cleanups and like California and there's there's trash all over the place. So it's not limited to like other cultures. It's here in our backyard too. Um, and it's a global problem. And I think, um, my traveling will, will evolve over the years and, and become more activism. Um, and that's where I, I see my love of travel changing. Yeah. And I was, I was going to ask, you know, you know, you talked about how, you know, flying, is not great for the environment. So mm-hmm. making sure you you lessen that. Um, but the, then say like, oh, well, I'm flying to this country, but I'm doing activism there and I want to help. And I want to, you know, kind of spread this continued message of, of saving the earth. So what else do you think you can take into travel to, to just kind of help you know, lower carbon emissions, you know, reduce plastic waste? What can we be doing with our travel to help all of that? Well, I think, you know, bringing our reusables with us is one thing. Um, I look back, you know, my pictures in my my 20s of, of me traveling, and I'm just like, you know, oh, plastic straw, plastic cup on a beach, you know, and now I would, I would have my own. Um, and I think when when you start bringing your reusables places, people look at you funny, um, but they're also really interested that you would have um, such a big passion, like that you would care that much to like make that effort. Um, so yeah, that's something that everyone can do, like bring your reusable water bottle. There are filters like pretty much anywhere. Um, they're kind of I mean, drinking water is one thing because like it's not you can't drink the water everywhere in the world. Um, <laughs> so that can get tricky. But like staying at like a hotel that has has like the giant water jugs and, you know, is um, a little bit more eco friendly because they promote reusing versus trying to sell you a five dollar bottle of water. Um, so like staying with local communities, too, and like actually boosting the local community um, is going to support, you know, them directly as well. So that's, it's more intentional travel. Um, but yeah, I say those three things, you know, like bringing your reusables, um, where you stay, you know, is pretty intentional. And then I would say like renting a car or just trying to fly less. Um, are there areas like that you can get to from land to land? 
um, where you're going and how can you get there like in a little bit more eco-friendly fashion. So like I mentioned Europe, you can, you can most definitely drive and like take the train and take buses and things like that. Um, which takes the pressure off you too, because you know, the trains go like everywhere and you can just kick back and relax, um, while you're on a train or, or a bus ride. Um, and that's also better for the planet. Yeah, definitely. And are you able to, or do you do anything to help try to cut back on like large corporations polluting the planet? Oh, gosh. Yeah, there's like this argument that, you know, I think there's like 10 different companies that are basically destroying the planet. And we can't, it doesn't really matter what we do. Well, it most certainly matters what every individual does. um, Because where we put our money is fueling those corporations. So I, I mean, I do call out um, some companies like on social media, in particular, like, I go to the grocery store and I'm like, this is completely unnecessary plastic packaging. And I'll like take a picture and like flag it. Um, But as far as, you know, calling out those big companies, I just don't buy anything from them. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't buy anything from, you know, the top 10 polluters. I just, I don't buy into their stuff. Um, And I think that's a huge like piece of the puzzle. You know, we all have the power on where our money goes. Um, Granted, accessibility comes into it too, because if you live somewhere kind of remote, you don't have accessibility to every single brand. Um, You may have to purchase online or you just, in in certain areas of the world, you're just not going to have another option. Um, So that's kind of a bummer. But hopefully, like as more companies emerge and like we grow as well is Um, We hope to be in like more countries to make that a little bit more possible. So you can choose like a bamboo toothbrush versus like the only toothbrush available in your city is plastic, you know? (laughs) But as far as like emailing, I mean, we definitely all can also email these companies and call them out too. Um, But I don't do that like on my day to day life. Um, Voting is another big thing. Um, Everyone should vote. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Everybody should vote and know what you're voting for. So what is it like, you know, with the business getting as big as it has and plans to continue grow? You know, you just said you want to get into other countries. What is the day to day like with your business? So currently I'm a little, um, understaffed at the moment. So I am very hands-on. Um, we are packing up orders every single day. Um, we are, you know, trying to find new and innovative products. We're trying to make new and innovative products ourselves and like testing things out and like modifying them. Um, I also do like all of the stuff on social media myself. I, I, I say that I wear a lot of different hats. (laughs) but eventually I would like to have a larger team, you know, to help, to help us through, through those like obstacles so that we can get, um, we are looking at like getting like fulfillment in like Canada and the EU and then expanding from there. So, um, day to day is very operational. Um, but I work a lot of hours, you know, I'm a hard worker. I want, I want, I really believe in this and I really want, 
on this to be an entire movement. So um, I'm always trying to find like new products, new solutions, and do all the operations and, you know, do the customer service stuff too, and do, you know, the research and development um, and the marketing. That's the fun stuff. Um, we also still do some events too. So um, some weeks I work a lot. <laughs> it's just what it is, but I love it. You know, I wouldn't have it any other way because we're working towards a better tomorrow. Right. And is your husband just as involved and and passionate as you are? He is. He is. He definitely, he does. Our roles are a little bit different. I mean, we cater to each one of our strengths. Um, he is uh, really good at you know, negotiating with our manufacturers and, you know, making sure that we stay in stock of all of our products um, and kind of dealing with more of like the logistics. Um, and he's, he's very hands-on definitely. Um, and he also does most of, you know, the advertising. He does like all the advertising and like um, learning, you know, when you're a business owner, you have to learn how to do everything. So he's really good at like learning new challenges and learning new skills. Yeah. And where is it that you are getting your products from? So um, we source from a variety of places. Obviously, um, it's very difficult as a small company to, you know, source. Sourcing is probably the number one challenge. Um, So we do get some of our products manufactured in China, but we're really, we try to be as responsible as we can with that. And we check, you know, to see what their labor practices like are, do they have any environmental certifications? Um, where are the raw materials coming from and things like that? Um, but bamboo, you know, China has the largest sustainable bamboo forest in the world. So bamboo, if you buy a bamboo product, it's most likely coming from China. Um, but a lot of our, you know, all of our, you know, soaps, lotions, shampoo bars, deodorants, cleaning products, all that is made in the U.S. Um, we have some things made in Europe as well, like our Swedish dish cloths. Um, those are, you know, it's made in Sweden. It was invented in Sweden. So kind of like a sponge paper towel hybrid. It's really cool. Um, and they're reusable for like months and months and months. So sourcing is definitely a challenge, but we do the best we can. And we do work with like a lot of smaller makers as well. I really like to source like our shampoo bars and soaps and things like that from makers that I've met personally or, you know, female owned businesses and things like that, because, um, you know, we're a community and like we all are in it together. And if I can support another small business, it just kind of pays it forward. So yeah, we get things from like all a little bit all over. Yeah, it's great that you, you know, take so much time and consideration into finding quality places to source your products and that you're not just going with easy and you are doing the the research and the digging to really make sure it is a a full rounded uh a full rounded mission. So when you were younger, did you ever think, you know, you would end up being really passionate about saving the earth? Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. I still don't know if I know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, <laughs> and I think that was kind of a bit like, I was that gypsy soul, you know, I just wanted to be a nomad forever. Um, 
COVID makes you stay in one spot though, huh? So Mm -hmm. (laughs) this past year has really been building our business, you know, and just staying focused on, on the thing that we really care about. And I did work for other companies for the longest time. Um, and it was never like, it was fine. Like I loved my jobs before, but it was never like what I do matters. You know what I mean? Like I never thought that what I did like really mattered that much. So (laughs) that is one thing that I, um, I'm really happy about every day I come in to work is that I'm doing something that has purpose. Um, and that's really important to, you know, my team members as well. You know, that's why they wanted to work with me is because they wanted to work towards, uh, you know, a better tomorrow. But as a kid, I never, you know, I just didn't know what I wanted to be. And, (laughs) um, and I think that's why Alberto, my husband, he has really been my rock because he's always been kind of a businessman. Um, and I never would have, I don't think I ever would have, you know, started this if it hadn't been for him, you know, push and pushing me to like do something and for us to do something together. Um, so he was a big part of that. Yeah. And I, I love hearing, you know, the ability to then work for a purpose, work for a better good, a better tomorrow is, is really great. Would you be willing to share a little bit about how you and Alberto met? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So we met on Tinder um, here in Las Vegas. And (laughs) it's actually a pretty funny story because I was not looking for anything. And I was just like, oh, free dinner. Okay. I'll go out with him. Um, But I knew that he lived in Brazil. So I was like, oh this is whatever. Um, and then I liked him and he didn't speak very good English. Um, like hardly any at all. (laughs) So communication was a little limited. Um, but we spent like every day, the first week we met together and it's funny, I had a trip planned to South America. And so I actually left, I think it was like the seventh day or eighth day that I knew him. And I left and I was backpacking in Colombia and I was supposed to go to Panama. Um, but he went back to Brazil and I was like, "Hmm, maybe I'll just change my trip around and go see him. So then I did. (laughs) And I actually spent Christmas with him and his mom after only knowing him for like 10 days. (laughs) Um, and we, you know, spent some time in Brazil, uh, just like a handful of days and then came back. I came back, I went to Panama and then I came back to the U S and we, you know, we FaceTimed every single day and then he eventually moved here and we got married within like six months of knowing each other. We just, you know, we were our, each other's person, you know, we weren't super young. So (laughs) I think it was like, we knew, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're younger, you don't always like, you're just like, Oh, I like him, you know? But we we knew like pretty much instantly that, you know, we were each other's person. Wow, that's really cool. How how did it then work with the language barrier? Uh, He learned English like I'm so impressed with him. Like he learned English like super fast. I still like no follow Portuguese. Like my Portuguese is terrible. It's something I really need to spend some serious time on. I'm embarrassed by it. Um, (laughs) But 
you know, when we were communicating long distance, it's pretty easy, you know, with WhatsApp to like just copy and paste over into Google Translate. Um, but I think when you live in a country like he moved here, like you really have to, it makes your life a lot easier if you like learn it. Um, and you have full immersion. So that makes it easier too, which is what my goal was when we went to Portugal and Brazil was to have the full immersion so I could finally sit down and learn Portuguese. But I think I need to go back for like, I think I need like a year. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, if, if you had no background in the language to kind of be starting from scratch, I, I'm sure that was difficult. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and in Brazil, Brazil's funny, too, because like nobody you go you travel to a lot of different countries. And usually people in like hospitality speak um, some kind of English. Um, it's kind of the universal language. Uh, I think Americans just get really lazy because it is kind of the universal language. But a lot of I mean, in Brazil, nobody really speaks English. Um, and they actually teach British English in in school, <laughs> but it's like it's only a few months. It's not even like a a a, a long time course. But he he took British English in school, um, but you know enough to like talk a little bit. But yeah, it's not like a, a widely spoken language in Brazil at all. So super impressed that he learned it for me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's truly great. But when you find your person, that's that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> so before we start to wrap things up, is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners, whether it's about you, travel, your business, eco-friendly life? The table is yours. Uh, yeah. So I just want to encourage people to like take um, a look at like their daily habits um, and the things that they're purchasing on the regular basis. And just kind of think about like where it's going to go after the end of its life. And if there was a product that was kinder to the planet and then it didn't cost that much more, um, maybe you should check that out and try it out. You know, it might not work for you, but just at least try it out. You know, not every eco swap is going to work for everyone. Um, but, you know, making these daily choices that are a little bit kinder to the planet um, are going to have a big impact over, you know, our lifetimes. So just really take a look at, you know, the things in your household and see what you could be doing. Um, and it's not to say that, you know, you're doing things wrong or, or, or anything like that. It's just to take a look at, you know, the items in your household and where they might be going. Yeah. And I think that's some great advice. And, you know, everything you've talked about and even just that last message there is why, you know, I reached out and was like, hey, you know, I think it would be great to hear from you, hear about this lifestyle, that it is a niche sort of thing that people are, are living. And you, I think a lot of people have like the little things, they have the reusable bags, they have the reusable water bottles. Um, but kind of like, you know, just being able to hear that advice, hear the different options that you've got going on, I think is really great. And I appreciate everything that you've shared. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. <laughs> now, I, I warned you with all of my guests, I ask a random question at the end. So my question for you kind of related to what we've been talking about, you know, life swaps, different things. 
But what do you think we do in the world that needs to be modernized? What do we do in the world that needs to be modernized? Um, I really think, um, and this is, this is going to, um, so electric vehicles are huge in other parts of the world. Um, but they're not big in the U.S. And I think that's one thing that really needs to shift. Like our, our, where we're getting our energy from um, should be more, a lot more sustainable. And it is in other parts of the world. Um, so I think that really needs to be modernized. Um, we have wind power. We have solar power. Um, and it really needs to be like readily available, like everywhere in the world um, because everywhere has the sun. Um, <laughs> so energy really needs to be moder- modernized. We need to move away from like coal, which is really dirty energy um, and move towards, you know, sustainable energy. And that's going to be kinder to the planet as well. Yeah. Do you have an electric car? I do not, but my husband and I share one vehicle um, and they're not you know, electric cars are kind of expensive here in the U.S. and they just don't have that many types. We looked into them and we looked into getting like a hybrid, um, but we we decided on just you know having one vehicle and sharing it, which can be very tricky. <laughs> um, but yeah, if it was readily available, and they're like in Europe, they have all these different different ones that I'd never seen. You can take an Uber that's an electric vehicle in Portugal. Um, and you can request electric Ubers. Um, if that were here, of course people would do it. You know, if, if we had the options, we would do it. Um, but unfortunately they're just like way, way expensive. You know, not everyone can afford a Tesla. All right, that brings this episode to a close. I will obviously be leaving the website link to Me Mother Earth, so go feel free to check out some of their products and all of the awesome things that they are offering. I will be also leaving the link to their Instagram page, which Amanda uses to, of course, share their products, but also to just give opportunities and education about living a more sustainable and eco-friendly life. So go give that page a follow as well. And of course, if you would like to connect with the podcast on social media, the link to the website is in the description and that will take you to our Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn pages. So I'd love if you'd go and follow those pages as well. And of course, the Patreon for monetary support is in the description as well. And if you would like to guest, you can always send me an email and, you know, go back and listen to other episodes. They're all different and it's great to hear all of these different stories. And I've loved learning so much about the eco-friendly ways that Amanda shared about. So thank you, Amanda, so much for spending time with me today and to my listeners for taking the time out of your day to hear a new story. Until next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Let's stop plastic and help our mother earth.